Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It must have been pretty intimidating, as you can imagine, for the apostles to stand there in front of the Sanhedrin, which is the, the ruling body of 70 of the, the most respected and most powerful elders and religious leaders of the Jewish people, and together with the, the high priest and his associates. It was the very group of leaders that those apostles, the disciples of Jesus, had been raised from early childhood to revere and to respect and, and to look to as leaders of God's chosen people. These respected men were experts in God's law. They were the religious leaders of God's people. And these same men were, were the ones who, who just weeks or months earlier had led the, the crowds of people in Jerusalem in calling for the excruciating, agonizing death of Jesus on the cross. These were the men who had driven the, the apostles into hiding in, in a closed room behind locked doors for fear that the same fate would befall them. It was this ruling council of the Jewish people that just a short time ago had arrested Peter and John and thrown them into jail and commanded them not to speak or to teach at all in the name of Jesus. And now here the apostles were on trial in front of this intimidating high council of the 70 most powerful elders and religious leaders of the Jewish people. They'd been caught red-handed doing the very thing that they had just been commanded not to do, preaching in the temple courts and in the city streets about Jesus the Messiah, the resurrected Lord and Savior of the world. The apostles knew how dangerous it was for them to be doing this. They knew the jealousy of those members of that ruling council of the Sanhedrin and that, that their jealousy could lead to some very serious and painful consequences for themselves. That it could lead to their arrest, imprisonment, beatings, torture, and even execution. But they did it anyway. Why? Why would they be so stupid as to put their lives on the line going against the direct command of those vengeful and vindictive group of leaders when they knew that it could mean their own deaths? Or, or at the very least, that it could mean severe physical suffering and pain for themselves. But they did it because they knew that God was on their side not on the side of those unbelieving leaders of, of the Jewish people. They did it because Jesus, their Lord and Savior, had given them specific directions to do just that. They did it because they knew that there was no other hope for themselves or their family members and friends and, and their neighbors or anyone else to be saved and to have eternal life other than by believing in Jesus as their Savior from sin. Just as in, in the previous chapter before our reading in Acts chapter 4, the Apostle Peter had confessed, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. And so Peter and John told the members of this ruling council, We cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And so, true to their word, 
not a long time later, the disciples, the apostles, did not stop speaking about what they had seen and heard, about the perfect life of Jesus, about the miracles, the, the, the amazing things that Jesus did, those miraculous signs that he performed, about his powerful teaching of God's word, about his suffering and death and resurrection and ascension into heaven. They didn't stop proclaiming and teaching these things, even after all the apostles together were arrested and thrown into jail. As soon as that angel of God had set them free miraculously from that jail, they went right back out in public proclaiming the good news about Jesus. There in the temple courts, perhaps the most visible and public place in all of the city of Jerusalem. And then, when they were arrested again, not a long time later, and and brought in again before the Sanhedrin for trial, they stood up there before the high priest and his associates and testified boldly, we must obey God rather than men. They knew that it could mean their deaths. They knew that it could mean torture. As we read, God spared their lives that day so that they could continue to proclaim the good news about Jesus another day. But we also read that they did not escape unharmed. They were beaten before they were set free. Now the Bible, our reading here, doesn't describe the extent of that beating that they suffered that day. But we know that certainly it was not just for show. At the very least, they were bruised and and battered and and bloodied from that beating. How did the apostles respond after having suffered that brutal beating at the hands of those jealous and and vindictive leaders of the Jewish people? We read that they rejoiced. They rejoiced. They were not depressed and despondent because they had been arrested and beaten. Rather, Verse 41, we see they left rejoicing that they were considered worthy to suffer shame for the name. And then we read again that they went right back out and did what they had just again been ordered not to do. They went right back out and did what they had just been brutally beaten for doing. Verse 42, every day in the temple courts and from house to house, They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Maybe you've heard about the persecution of Christians in some parts of the world today. You may have heard that that there are restrictions in some countries by by the government, and and, uh, whether it's the national government or local governments, against preaching outside of government-approved facilities and with with government-controlled doctrine. But still, there are missionaries from our church body and there there are leaders and members from our sister churches around the world in in restricted and, and persecuted places who keep on preaching the truth in spite of the the threat of punishment or or blowback from the government or in spite of threats of persecution from anti-Christian extremists in those places? Why do they do that? Why do they do that? Knowing that it could bring persecution and even suffering and harm upon themselves? Well, they do that because their Lord and Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus, 
has given us specific directions to do so when he said, Go and gather disciples from all nations by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and by teaching them to keep all the instructions I have given you. Jesus didn't say, Go and gather disciples only where you have permission or an invitation to do so. Nor did he say, teaching them to keep some of the instructions that I have given you, as as many as the, the government officials allow you to teach. No, Jesus said, go and gather disciples from all nations, teaching them to keep all the instructions I have given you. And so, if the the word of a human government and the word of our Savior are contradictory, we must join together with the apostles in boldly saying, we must obey God rather than men. And so that is why our missionaries and our sister churches, even, even in places where there are persecution and restrictions on their message, continue to spread the truth of God's word and of the gospel in spite of that persecution and those restrictions. That is why we also proclaim the good news of our risen Savior Jesus to our family and friends and co-workers and neighbors and and anyone we have the opportunity to interact with. We do so because Jesus, our, our risen Lord and Savior, has given us specific instructions to do just that. We do so because we know that there is no other hope for our family and friends and co-workers and neighbors to be saved and to have eternal life other than by believing in Jesus as their Savior from sin. Just as the apostles spoke in Acts chapter 4, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And so also, just like the apostles, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. But it's not always easy, is it? The apostles were emboldened to spread that good news about Jesus, even in the face of the opposition of their government that that sometimes even took the form of excruciating physical punishment and beatings and even death. They were bold, yes, but surely some of them had personal doubts, fears, and worries at times that they wrestled with when they faced those challenges. As you well know, it's not always easy. The devil often uses our personal doubts and fears to keep us silent at times when we should be actively testifying and speaking about our Savior Jesus. We don't always take advantage of all the opportunities that God puts in our path to tell others about Jesus. Sometimes we might be afraid that there will be negative repercussions if we open our mouths and and speak to to someone about Jesus. There are times when maybe we think to ourselves, they they won't like me if I'm always talking about Jesus, so I, I just won't mention Jesus or God's Word when I'm around them. Or maybe we think, oh, they'll be offended if I tell them to repent of their sinful lifestyle and to turn to Jesus for forgiveness so I just won't bring it up that that God says whatever they're doing is is not pleasing to him or according to his will. Or maybe the devil has used this one on you. I've done so many sinful things in my past. I've even done 
the, the things that, that this person that I, I see, my dear loved one or friend is doing, if I tell them to repent and believe in Jesus and turn to him for forgiveness, they'll just laugh at me and call me a hypocrite. We certainly see if, if any of those are familiar to you or maybe you think the, uh, you've thought of, of some other ways that the devil uses to, to keep your mouth closed and silent when you have opportunity to speak about Jesus. So many excuses that the devil uses uh, that, he, that he brings into our minds to, to get us to rationalize, uh, give, give us a good excuse for, for not speaking out about Jesus the Savior and, and about our need for forgiveness from our sins. None of those are good excuses or reasons. We need to see all of those doubts and, and fears of ours and the excuses and rationalizations that we make for not speaking up and telling others about Jesus. We need to see those things for what they really are, sin. And then go running to our Savior, Jesus, who gives us repentance and forgiveness of sins. As we read in verse 31, Jesus died on the cross and rose again to pay for our sins of fear and doubt and worry and, and mistrust in God and in his promise of blessing when we're faced with those opportunities to tell others about him, but we don't take those opportunities. Jesus died on the cross and rose again to forgive us for the times that we have been ashamed or embarrassed to stand up as Christians and to testify about the love of God in our lives. Jesus died on the cross and rose again to pay for those times that we have prized the love and approval of others over the love and approval of our God. Jesus has given us repentance. He has given us sorrow over our sins. And he has given us faith that trusts that he has already forgiven all of our sins. He has rescued us from the eternal suffering and death in hell that we deserve because of our sins. And he has given us the unshakable hope of eternal life with him in heaven. We have tasted and seen the goodness of our Lord and Savior in forgiving these and all other sins that we have ever committed in our lives. And so, just like the apostles, we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Yes, the devil may tempt us to keep our mouths shut about Jesus. He may tempt us not to talk to others about Jesus and the forgiveness and salvation that he has won for us. But we just can't help speaking about the grace of God that we have experienced in our lives that has so radically changed and affected our lives. We just can't help speaking about the repentance that God has worked in our hearts through his word, the forgiveness of sins that he has given to us fully and freely, wiping away every sin we have ever committed in our actions or our words or our thoughts and desires. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And so, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, whenever you face hardship or ridicule because of Jesus, even if you should happen to suffer physically for the name of Jesus as the apostles did, don't give in to fear or despair. Don't be ashamed. Rather, just as the apostles did, rejoice 
that you were considered worthy to suffer shame for the name and continue in the mission that your Savior has given to you every day in the temple courts and from house to house. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Never stop proclaiming the good news. Amen.